Hello and welcome everybody to Flickr Effect. I'm Dave Lotz. Joining me for this episode is Bobby Jackson. How's it going, Bobby? It's going good. How are you? I am pretty well. Uh, and also here, Michelle Hillard. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hello. Hello. This episode, we are going to be discussing Netflix's The Fall of the House of Usher. Um, we are going to mostly share or start off by sharing our thoughts spoiler free for anyone listening who hasn't yet seen the miniseries on Netflix. Um, if we feel like there's stuff we want to talk about that goes into spoiler territory, which I'm sure will probably happen, uh, we'll give plenty of warning before we get to that. Sound good, guys? Yeah. I like it. Uh, real quick, for those who don't know, uh, The Fall of the House of Usher is from showrunner Mike Flanagan, who uh, previously, uh, even just his Netflix uh catalog yeah. includes um the haunting of hill house the haunting of bly manor midnight mass the midnight club this is his latest um he also in the world of film directed uh dr sleep mm-hmm. that uh the sequel to the shining that came out more recently Yep. 2019 so that is what this show or that's the uh, creator of the show uh, a quick i don't know i don't really have like a synopsis, synopsis ready i actually had a hard time finding a good like short synopsis of this of this show um one on imdb because there actually isn't a synopsis on imdb for some reason um, i see one. one there's a couple summaries but normally there's like a shorter Synopsis or like an official synopsis, and I couldn't. There's not the one, one there. on IMDb isn't official. Well, like it, it, it doesn't. There's, like there's there the ones that I see the summaries are anybody can write diff- those. different from a synopsis. And you can just uh, anyone can submit them, but mm. then there's usually like an official one. I think that comes from like the studio right. or something. So are you going to create a synopsis for us? No, I'm not. Oh, well, I can create a synopsis. I can read this one here. Uh, here's one. A summary. To secure their fortune and future, two ruthless siblings build a family dynasty that begin to crumble when their heirs mysteriously die one by one. That's actually pretty good. It's pretty um, straight to the point. The show or miniseries is, of course, based on uh, the works of Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, not just The Fall of the House of Usher, but... It's kind of like a combination of short stories and short poems. Stories, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let that, with that, let's get into it. Spoiler free thoughts on the fall of the house of Usher. Michelle, what did you think of Mike Flanagan's latest? Oh, um, I mean, overall, I would say I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's one of his better miniseries works that he's done for Netflix. Um, but I don't, it's not like um, it's not low for me on his Netflix series that he's done for them for their for the, this the scary stuff that Netflix has him doing and I think this might have actually been the last thing that he's contractually obligated to do for Netflix right now. Yeah, I hadn't looked into that. I didn't know like what the, the official it, word on like whatever contract he has with Netflix if this is it or not. I think yeah, this, this one's it, it okay. and I think he kind of begrudgingly did this one because it was. Kind of, I mean, it was before, obviously, it was way before the strike and everything like that. But, like, you know, I think he had the first three that he did 
Haunting of Hill House, uh, Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, and uh, Midnight Mass. And I think he had those three, and I think somewhere towards the end of Midnight Mass, before it was released, he was realizing the the money aspects of things were not... um, coming coming back <laughs> okay yeah i'm not familiar <laughs> i with think any it's something to do with story. basically what the what the strike is about is issues like that like just credits and monies and anyways so i think that kind of started a little bit of an issue with him and netflix uh and yeah he he fulfilled his contract but he is uh not doing any more production for them gotcha which i think is a shame for netflix and maybe he'll want to do some stuff on another platform like Amazon Prime or Apple TV or something like that in the future. I think Mike Flanagan has quite a lot to offer and I think that it would be great if he were to, if he wanted to continue kind of doing these like mini series kind of things to continue them. I, I would love that. That would be great. Anyways, sorry. I do think that he I want to say he signed with Amazon Prime but I could oh, yeah. be wrong but I thought I heard that somewhere. That sounds familiar now that you say that I feel like I heard that too, but maybe I'm making that up. I, I I don't know I don't know for sure, and I don't really feel like googling it right now. But yeah, I mean, like his miniseries, in my opinion, are quite good. And I just say that, and I enjoyed Doctor Sleep as well. Um, I would love to see more film from him as well. But I'm I'm really enjoying these miniseries, and I love that they're just so like they're each of their own little thing, and it's you know eight to ten episodes, and that's it. Like it's just that's it there's no more there's no like season two it's like nope that was it he told a complete story front to end and that's and, and I, I really i'm enjoying what i'm getting what what he's what he's putting out there i think it's good um anyways tangent <laughs> no i i actually really enjoyed ha- fall of the house of usher i don't think it's my favorite of the ones i've seen from him uh but it's it's up there in my opinion i i am quite happy with it i know there's like mixed reviews out there on it. Some people love it. Some people are not loving it. And I'm not going to set aside like some of the issues I think it has, but I can kind of look past them to kind of what the idea of this was. And I actually really enjoy the way that he basically married, you know, writings of Edgar Allan Poe and kind of put them, inserted them into a storyline and a narrative that's of modern day. And it, it takes on conflicts of, you know, uh, obviously the drug industry, um, not just like drugs, like pharmaceutical, stuff, but pharmaceutical drugs, the pharmaceutical industry, it takes on, you know, a little bit into like, you know, privileged people and how they are. Um, no, I think it was a great marriage of the two ideas. I think he did a really good job executing it. I thoroughly enjoy all the actors that he has in the show. I think they all do a really great job. Um, yeah, I, I guess I won't go too, too much into it all, but like, yeah, there's, there's a few things that you kind of bump on. Um, I, I guess it, it turns out that the show was initially shot with a different lead actor and then that lead actor was fired. Um, and then they recast it. And so there are some, the good news is I guess like not every scene is with this lead, you know, other actors are not always in the same scenes as him. So they only had to reshoot some of the stuff, but I think for some of the actors that he's in more scenes with, there is an unevenness to some of their, their character, because I think in scenes where they're not with this main actor, that the main character, their character is one way. And then in the reshoots with scenes that they have with this new lead 
their character is a little different. I think so there's some like character portrayals I think that are a little uneven throughout the series and I think that has a lot to do with it um but no I'm I'm actually very happy with it there was definitely a couple of good jump scares I was <laughs> probably three where I legitimately jumped on my couch hard jumped hard holy cow oh my gosh grabbed clutched my pearls and was like ooh. And I'd look over at David I was like yeah that got me pearls. <laughs> he would he'd laugh at me clutch my pearls um, but no, David laugh, would laugh at me and I was just like, I can't help it. Got me. Um, yeah. And I think it gives just the right amount of gore, but just the right amount of like mental uneasiness and some stuff. Uh, no. Yeah. I, I like this one a lot, actually. I wouldn't, if I had to compare, I would still say I think Midnight Mass is my favorite of this Netflix works for sure. Um, but this one might be right after it, actually. Your number two spot. I think it might be my number two Mike Flanagan Netflix miniseries spot. Real quick, before I was going to ask Bobby next what he thought, but going to Edgar Allan Poe, what is your background with like Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe, like love oh, or hate or knowledge? I'm, uh, like, where did you come in? I'm like the show so from? many girls of the elder millennial generation who, once Edgar Allan Poe was brought into their lives in middle school, they had a soft spot for. Um, no, I really enjoyed Poe quite a lot when I was in middle school and we went through those units and I continued to read his works and study him kind of throughout and then on and off through high school. Uh, but really, I will say my a deeper appreciation was when I was in college. I had an English lit class and of course we did a solid amount of Poe stuff and it was really good. It was really good to dive into his poetry. You know, I guess there are some critics out there that are like, Poe's poetry is kind of crap, easy man's poetry. Everything's rhymy, rhymy, and blah, blah, blah. And in a way, it is, and that's okay. Like, not all poetry has to fit into a specific box, in my opinion. And his poetry style was of one direction, and I think it was a little more accessible even for the everyday man to enjoy in his poetry and his short stories. And so I think he wrote for them, and they, that's totally okay, and, and it's, I think it's enjoyable. Um, Those are scarce. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like an expert or anything like that. Like, I forgot a lot of that stuff. But at the same time, I say that. And, you know, I could still quote parts of The Raven. I remember some of the short stories pretty well. Um, you know, yeah, I guess kind of, I don't know. He's in He's in there. He's in there. He's in the brain. Maybe not the most, like the freshest yeah. knowledge. Not or, the freshest. But, but it's there. Bobby, how about you? Do you have any uh, affinity for Edgar Allan Poe or... What was your your knowledge of his works going into this? Not much, honestly, other than what you kind of learn in school of who he is a little bit. And you probably read at least one or two of his poems or things about him. And I think that's about all I knew um, other than he's just a name, you know, one of those things. So. I, I couldn't recall a Edgar Allan Poe um, poem, but obviously one of the ones that is more uh, that stands out to me is the Raven, and so I think that's just in popular culture, mm-hmm. and, and it has been for a while. Maybe not so much anymore, just because some of the older popular works of the time have 
not um, progressed into current time with the current generation. They probably wouldn't, if you ask someone of current generation who Edgar Allan Poe is, I'd be surprised if some of them knew. And I'm not trying to discredit their uh, knowledge, but it just doesn't seem like it's something that's taught nearly as much as it probably was during our time of school. Right. Mm. Well, uh, what did you think of uh, the Netflix show? I liked it. I, I, I quite liked it, actually. Um, I think for this one, for me, while it probably doesn't rate as high as some of the others, what I, I do like about this, and, and same thing I think I like about all the stuff that Mike Flanagan does, is that his cast of characters are always unique, and you, you can pick them out, and, and you they're given personality, and they're very well, the actors and actresses that play these characters always do such a good job of inhabiting so, so much so that even though he will u- reuse some of the same actors from project to project, they're, do- they're so distinctive to me that mm-hmm. I'll forget that they were in one of the other ones yeah. until I like look it up and I say, oh yeah, that's right, they were in that other one. And so I, I think that that's one of the, the strengths of what he does. Him and probably I would say Ryan Johnson do such a good job of their casting for their their projects that mm. I think that they tend to have these um, characters that are just very unique and, and you kind of go on this journey with them to where you want to see what happens. And I think that was the thing that drew me to this one more so than any of the other ones that in the past have more of the horror element to it or or the spookiness and this for sure has it as well but i think what drew me into it more was the the story of where this was going and where you see the setup at from the beginning to get to the point where you get to at the end uh just following this journey all the way through is what had me wanting to watch episode after episode as I would finish it. The same thing within that, I think, is sort of a double-edged sword in a way for me, too, because I feel like because of the structure of the the show, of this um, project, I, I kind of, it, it loses some of its um, edge to a certain extinct, uh, dis, uh, mm-hmm. to a certain extinct, uh, is that right? Is that the right extent, word? Ex- extent. 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 Thank you. <laughs> no uh, I was like, no, nah, that can't be right. Uh, <laughs> it loses it to a certain extent because of a specific formula that it's using. So it's kind of, it's kind of like, okay, I know what's coming. I just don't know how it's coming. And and so I think um, that was probably the only aspect of it that was kind of like I wished it would have been more. Uh, suspenseful in that sense Uh, but you know it it still plays out in a way that I think is satisfying towards uh, that end goal but yeah I definitely enjoyed it and I think Netflix lost out by not having him and re-signing him in the same way that they gave out big contracts to um, Ryan Murphy and um, uh, I forget her name from Shonda Rhimes Mm -hmm. I don't know why they wouldn't have paid big money for Mike Flanagan and what he does because he seems to bring out one of these series at least once a season around Halloween or so and they're always solid so yeah I, mm-hmm. I, I think they really lost out on that and they probably will be kicking themselves in the future once he's 
producing good quality content for some other streamers. So uh, I look forward to the next project that he does because I definitely did enjoy this one as well. What about you, David? Well, I was going to say, you know, in reference to him and this being his last project for Netflix, uh, I mean, I'm just one person, but I am, you know, in this day and age now in streaming with so many different streaming services, I've definitely, we have definitely gotten to the point of like, I have to be more selective now. I cannot subscribe to all of these. Yeah, with all the price and, hikes. Yeah. yeah, with all the price hikes oh. and just how much there is. And much. I mean, it got to a point where I was like, well, there was a period of time we were really just watching, I think it was mostly like Max and Disney Plus. And we were just, at the time, really were not watching Netflix. And Netflix is expensive enough. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take a break from Netflix for a while. And we took a break from Netflix up until this show. Like I mm-hmm. signed up. I would like to think that my data, <laughs> there's some data collected right. by Netflix. Yeah. Where <laughs> I'm one of those people that like, hey, he signed up and he immediately just watched all of the fall of the House of yep. Usher. He I obviously signed back up for that. Um, and yeah, I, I don't just, I'm thinking there's other people maybe in the same boat. And now that we have Netflix, we're going to kind of, we're going to prioritize <laughs> some Netflix stuff and watch you th- through some things we've been wanting to watch. And then it's probably going to go back off, especially Hopefully. after the most recent pri- price hike. I, yeah. I think it's a great service with that said. I mean, having not had it for a while, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but having not had it for a while and scrolling through, I'm like, man, there's a lot of good stuff in here. <laughs> but. Mm-hmm. But at the you same know, time, it's surprising. like wait, there's so many things that we watch that you have to prioritize what's important. I think the right. problem was is we were watching so much on Max and on Apple TV and Disney Plus that it was like, I was like, man, the Netflix stuff is just falling to the wayside, you know? And then yeah. every now and then we'd insert like an Amazon Prime situation, a couple shows on there. Um, but, you know, yeah, like I'm very open to we turn on and off Netflix and like Paramount, right? I'm, I'm enjoying Paramount with Star Trek and that's kind of it. So we can turn that back off once we're caught up on that. And then, like, you know, we just, we can turn things on and off now. Same with Peacock. I'm like, things can, it can go on for a month and then turn it off for a few months right. and something else drops. We'll turn it back on for a month, watch that, maybe the other thing and then call it good. Like, there's just, we can't, I can't, we can't have them all, all the time right. because I'm not watching them all, all the time. I don't, I don't have the time to do that. <laughs> so to your point, I heard something, that, uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, someone was talking about it. The fact that the streamers will probably, they understand and they see that data that people are doing the churn where if there's something on, that's when they'll subscribe. And then when it's gone and it's off, then they'll, you know, turn it off that because of that, they will start to, well, two things. One, one is that they're trying to push people out of the um, commercial free zone by raising those yeah. prices and keeping the ad tier lower. So push people to the ad tier because they make more money off of the ad tier on people subscribing to that. Right. But outside of that, the other thing is that they figure that in a few years, any of the streamers that aren't currently doing it will start to go to a weekly model so that they can stretch you out so that by the time you would want to unsubscribe, here comes that next thing that's coming out to keep you on subscription. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's pretty it's pretty diabolical oh, when you think about industry. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean no way you can't blame them, but Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but anyway. About the house. About about my thoughts. Uh, I'll say going into the show, uh, I guess kind of similar to Bobby, it sounds like. Like, yeah, I remember studying Edgar Allan Poe and reading a couple works or whatever. 
but it's been so long that I have, I basically went into the show like almost knowing nothing. Um, it, it's not like I was watching this going, okay, how are they going to adapt to this one? Or how are they going to adapt that one? Like, I would not know. Like, that's basically my, my point of view going into the show. And also, uh, I've been a big fan of Mike Flanagan, even though I'm not, I guess, a completionist. I haven't seen everything. I didn't see Midnight Club. Um, I never actually finished Bly Manor, um, which I guess kind of tells you what I was thinking about it. <laughs> As I was watching mm-hmm. it, I don't know. I I do want to go back and watch that, but I liked Hill House a lot, and I have said repeatedly, I absolutely loved Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass was probably one of the best things I've seen on TV. Period. In the last five in years, in a while, like yeah. what? It, it, I thought it was just incredibly good. Um, I have not stopped like recommending it to people that I realize had not have not seen it, and I will be the first person to go. You need to watch Midnight Mass. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, this show I enjoyed quite a bit Uh, I would agree with I think the sentiments that have been said I don't think it's his best and in fact I think there are definitely issues that will probably get brought up when we talk spoilers um, that make me look at this show and go "I, I really enjoy this when this when the final episode was done I was like that was solid I think overall this is a solid show but I, I really look at this as something like this could have been incredibly good if, for me, some of these problems I have were not there or fixed in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they do kind of bring the show down a few pegs. But overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I agree that most, most of the acting is pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say spoiler-free other than I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't think I walked away from this show going, man, that was mind-blowingly amazing. And there was definitely not a part of me that was like, mm, that was, mm, that was not great. Like, I was like, nope, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, I would say, I, for the most part, I enjoyed almost every single episode, quite honestly. There's only, like, two that I think I was kind of like, mm, not so hot on. But mm. overall, I I enjoyed most of the episodes. Like, so far, it's doing better than Ahsoka did for me. In you know? <laughs> oh, uh, episode, yeah. like, good to bad episodes in a season. Yeah, it's already it's definitely surpassed that like no i i liked it i i will say i hadn't <clears throat> excuse me i hadn't really thought about what you said bobby until you said it and i agree with you like i don't i like the structure of the show <clears throat> but you're right like you go into each episode kind of already having a sense of like what kind of episode it's going to be because of the structure of the show like there's not a lot of mystery like you would get in a show that you just have no idea what's mm-hmm. going next. So not to say it's a bad thing or yeah, you, I just, I hadn't thought about that. You're right. It kind of does. It adds something, but takes something away at the same time. Well, yeah. it's like Mike Flanagan kind of has his own antidote that he follows his own mythologies. But then on top of that, just because of this was being based off of such a, the way the story was being told in such a way. Yeah. You did kind of know that each episode I guess I'll say a spoiler. In each episode, there's going to be a death. And that's not and even really a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. I mean, it's, just, like it's, just it is. it's just the premise of the show. And so it's like, it does get kind of formulaic in that sense because right. it is it, it's doing that. It, but that's just kind of the way the story, that's just kind of the way the story works out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in I, in I this mean, one, but the, I, Mike Flanagan does kind of have his his own methodologies and, and a lot of that does kind of eke through to each 
uh, series he's done. I mean, I will say if I had to, based off the things I have seen of his on Netflix, like, yeah, Midnight Mass is easily number one. I'd probably mm. put Hill House at number two. I yeah. thought Hill House was solid. This would probably be in the three spot for me. Okay. I agree. Um, so you and I are just flipped. Yeah. You sounds like you liked it a little more than Hill House. Than I, I like this a little more than Hill House. I did enjoy Hill House quite a lot, but I enjoyed this more than Hill House. And Blind Manor, there's... Bly Manor has uh, a lot of issues. <laughs> like, it's enjoyable, but there's a lot of issues, in my opinion, with Bly House and with Bly Manor. And for me, that's why the Bly Manor is the low man on the totem pole here. Because I, I did actually watch all of Bly Manor. And I, I don't know, it wasn't quite as solid at that time as Hill House was. But I look back now on it and I see certain points that I'm like, okay, maybe it's, not as low as I thought it was, but it's, in comparison to the four, for me, it's definitely the low me on the totem pole yeah. for quality and story. Anyways. Anyways. Any other thoughts before we dip into spoilers? Or? Oh. Sounds like no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So then for those of you listening, this is your warning. Uh, we are going to talk spoilers for the fall of the house of Usher from here on out. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you should go check it out. I, I recommend it for sure. I think it's, uh, it's quite good. It sounds like we all think it's definitely good enough for a watch. So go check mm. it out and then come back and finish this. So with Especially because it's Halloween right now. It's perfect. It is. And at Halloween, where like sadly I have not watched much of any Halloween like horror movies or anything. Mm. Like I try to every year. This has been like it. <laughs> it's just been a very busy month. It's been a very um, busy month, yeah. but I think it sounds like we're going to be rectifying that in the next few evenings. Yeah. Nice. Anyways. With that, spoilers, guys. You can say anything you want now. The, the, the curtain is lifted. So, I guess the first thing I want to talk about. So, yeah. Initially, the main um, character, I guess the, the lead Roderick character Usher. is Roderick Usher. Um, Roderick Usher was initially cast as Frank Langella. Frank Langella. Mm-hmm. Langella. Right. Langella. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and unfortunately, not unfortunately, maybe not unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> um, know about unfortunately. It's not really that unfortunate. I mean, they, they, I guess they had most of the series wrapped, uh, but. Uh, it looks like, I, I thought I read it. It looked, sounds like it was about halfway through about shooting. halfway through shooting. Um, so he was, was not wrapped, but yeah. Halfway. Yeah, he was halfway through. That's a decent amount. Oh, yeah. He's in that character is in absolutely every single episode. Um, he was fired uh, from misconduct investigation um, for sexual misconduct on set and with other people and uh, on set for this and for other place things. And so, yeah, it's not good for him. <laughs> so he got fired and then they hired. Um, what's his name? Green. Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood, yeah. Bruce Greenwood uh, as that main character of Roderick Usher. Uh, and I thought Bruce Greenwood was actually really good. I enjoyed him. I can see wh- I, I can see and understand where some people might think he's, we'll say, quote-unquote, camp. But I did not get that vibe off of him as he was portraying this character. Um, no, I think he was actually one of the stronger actors going through this series. So Roderick Usher is the brother to Madeline Usher. So Roderick and Madeline, and they're based off of the title of the series, but the short story, The Fall of the House of Usher. And um, Madeline Usher is played by Mary McDonald. She's probably the only person I think I really had a 
issue with as far as character. And again, I don't know if it's because she'd already shot some things with one lead actor who was playing her brother, who she's in most scenes, like they're mostly together. Um, or, and then other scenes with Bruce, I don't know. Her character seemed the most uneven throughout the whole series to me. And I don't think also her character didn't jive with her flashback character of a younger version of herself, a young Madeline played by Willa Fitzgerald. I just don't think those two meshed in their portrayal of Madeline. And like I said, Mary McDonald, who I think is actually a great actress. She's quite good in many things that she's done. It's so bizarre to even say like, I don't think this was her strongest thing. And I just, I don't, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, Roderick Usher has six children, four legitimately with a wife that he has, and then uh, two with the wife he has, and four the illegitimates with yeah. random women. Um, but he takes them all under his wing and promises them fortunes if they make something of themselves, which is kind of the deal. I was going to say, going back to the, since you brought up the whole like, uh, like compatibility of the older actor, the older versions of these characters and the younger versions. Like, I don't disagree. Like, I think the young and older Madeline Usher don't exactly jive. But I, I found that the the Roderick. Was I would also more, agree with that too, though. More of a problem I, for me. I agree. Like, if anything, I, I again, there was definitely stuff about uh madeline that wasn't quite there mm -hmm. but if anything it worked for me more than roderick roderick was just like this is not the same dude no well, like, it's like how did he come into power because based yeah. on his younger self he didn't seem like he ever no. would have gotten into that position more than madeline would have but yeah it was just kind of like yeah i i don't i i missed the part where he comes into that person that he is because you definitely don't see it as a younger version of him. No. Yeah, I mean, the actor, Zach Guilford, who plays young Roderick, he, you know, he was in Midnight Mass. Yeah. And I thought he was really great in Midnight Mass. And I'll be honest, like, I don't know if it's that Zach wasn't feeling this character, but this character fell very flat to me when he was playing young Roderick. And I just didn't buy that the young Roderick and the uh, grown version of Roderick Usher are the same person i'm with you guys like i don't think even up to the very end like the very last scene where he's young roderick i didn't buy that he had this switch to this is who i am now i'm this this you know corporate titan thing like i didn't feel that from him but like so in this instance i think bruce greenwood does the better roderick usher but then like on the madeline usher side i think the younger version played by willa ford is a more badass young version like yeah willa fitzgerald yeah willa fitzgerald excuse me is a better better in that character when she's younger and mary mcdonald's a, a fantastic actress oh totally but i got what i would agree i like the portrayal of the younger version better it's like i don't think those two meshed but then also just mary mcdonald like there's scenes with her with some of the kids and in other scenes where I feel like she's portraying Madeline as one way. And then she'd have scenes with Bruce Greenwood with Roderick. And she seemed very different even from that betrayal. And I was like, I don't, what's happening here? And I felt like that for me was, it was just, it was just uneven. And again, all I can think is it's because she initially shot some of the stuff stayed where she was just her and the kids from like the original shoot mm -hmm. and then the reshoots with her and Bruce were done so far later on that she kind of 
had to refine her footing with the character of Madeline. Maybe, yeah. So that's it's all I can kind of huh? that's all I can kind of think of because she's a spectacular actress, but it just this just wasn't her. This wasn't her show. But then the young and older versions of, and I'm not going to get that character's name right. See Auguste Auguste Dupin. Oh, Dupin. Yeah. He's he's a character that's in a lot of post short stories um, as a detective. But in this, he plays uh, the general attorney for, I guess, the state. But yes, I agree. I think the older version and the younger version, yeah. and the younger version being played by, um, I don't, I don't, I, I forgot his name, Max. No, 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 because he used to be an eye zombie. Uh, gosh, what's his name? Malcolm Goodwin. That's it, Malcolm Goodwin. Yeah, and yesterday I was just talking, I was talking all about Malcolm, how awesome Malcolm is. Well, I'm not, I can't think of his name now. No, Malcolm Goodwin. And I think the two of them actually, I thought they're synced up really well. I felt like Malcolm Goodwin's delivery of the character and certain reactions he would have was in step with the actor who's playing the older version of uh, Dupin, of Carl Lum, Lum Carl Lumley. Lumley? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do feel like with Carl, he kind of got the short end of the stick a little bit because <laughs> it felt like to me every episode I could count on him making a face of shock or something and just staring blankly but you know it's like is there an actor on the other side of him because it's just a a front you know a a point of view in front of his face and he's like in shock of whatever is going on of what uh, uh, Roderick Roderick is doing and so I was like and there's a lot of those shots so I was like man he's not gaining as much much to do as the younger version once the younger version comes into the story and, and then, of course, you get some a little bit of stuff with him towards the end there. But for sure, I was like, man, he's not getting a lot, but just sitting in this chair and just sort of reacting to things. Right. Mm. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like he has a little more dialogue towards the end of the series as a whole. Yeah. But, right. Um, I guess the only other main character would be the character that is named Verna, but they don't. I wouldn't say they really established that that's her name very much during the show, uh, but that character is played by Carla Carla Gugino Gugino <laughs> Gugino Carla Gugino, who's been featured in all of the series that Mike Flanagan has done for Netflix, and um, she's fabulous. I think the best thing to equate her to, if you were to like give her care, I mean her character they're calling it Verna, I guess it would be she's like death. In a way, hmm. the best way to kind of put it. She's uh, yeah. a mystical character. Like, There's no real definition of what she is. But if I look, a devil character, like maybe. But I don't even know if I call it a devil. I'm it's saying a, like yeah. a, not. Yeah. Nec- I don't mean literally. Like she is the devil, but like there. There's definitely like a making a deal with the devil kind of. Uh, yeah, and, it's kind of know. a deal with a de- deal with a devil. I think it's yeah. She's kind of like a devil or. I think the reason why I think you can just call her like death, like they made a deal with death is because so much of Poe's work, there's a, his, one of the characters that never has a name, but the character is death is featured a lot in his poetry and his short stories. And so it makes me think she's just playing the character of death and the Usher uh, siblings made a deal with death. Right. Anyways, sorry. I feel like I'm rambling here. No, no, you brought her up. I thought you were gonna. No, I was just gonna say. Actress. I think she was. She was also fabulous in this as well. I, I would say she's probably the best uh, actor in the entire thing, 
solid start start to finish yeah I, I don't know if i disagree with that uh i guess i hadn't thought about like who i thought was the best performance or anything but no i mean she's solid um what did you guys think of mark hamill's i liked, I liked of, mark hamill as pim i liked him too i yeah the pim reaper no i thought yeah. he was good i thought he was good as well i, I liked it a lot it's a, i like it when I feel like you see Mark Hamill do darker characters when he's behind the camera and just on mic work. Mm. You know, he does a lot of uh, cartoons and stuff yeah, and animated things. Work, yeah. He'll, he'll kind of go dark. I think feel like you never see him become kind of a darker character in front of the camera very often. So this was a nice right. thing to see him do. It was fun. Yeah. I was curious, too, what you guys thought. I mean, for me, when it comes to this portrayal of the family and you know how kind of crooked they all are but at the same time i don't know there was a dynamic about most of the kids most not all but i would say most of the kids that were was like i feel like i should think they're more despicable than i think they are mm. like you know what i mean like i, I feel like the show yeah. is being the story is being told in a way where i think these are just mostly all terrible people except for the granddaughter lenore like other than her, it's like these are all just shitty human beings, and yeah, and they are. I mean, there's no doubt that they do things. Uh, some of them more than others that are, you know, pretty terrible. But at the same time, like, there's something about their portrayals where I'm like, but I, they're not. It's almost like they're not unlikable enough. And and I guess in a way, I guess I can see why that would be done on purpose. I mean. You know, yeah, if you had a show where really all of your cast are just really terrible people, I mean, I guess you could go, well, succession. But, uh, you know what I mean? Like, maybe that wouldn't just work as a good viewing experience. I don't know. Like, am I, mean, I making like, sense? Or no, do you guys get that like vibe at all? It's not like or? they're, like, relatable, but it's, no. like, certain things that they would do. It's kind of like, it's almost like, I hate to say it, but it's almost like I understand that they became this way because of X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, in a way, it's almost like I think maybe the advertising made it seem like they're evil people. And I'm like, they're not evil. They're not awesome. But they're not like evil and bad. They're just, I think they're just spoiled rich kids kind of that are having their adulthoods kind of handed to them in a way. I mean, like, so like the best thing I'd say is we listen to another podcast talk about the show. And I don't disagree. None of the people in the Usher family have ever actually created something themselves. Like, from scratch, created something. They all kind of, you know, fall. They always kind of wind up going in a pathway where it's like they're part of something, but they're not really creating it. They're helping to fund it or something, you know? And so I feel like the... They just, none of them have had a hard day's work in their life. And so they just, they're privileged. They're not awesome. They're snotty and they have opinions and they're bougie. And Do you have any thoughts on that, Bobby? Well, it is funny that you bring that up because I thought about that and I'm not quite sure what the intention was. Was it for them to be sympathetic to a certain degree and you're supposed to feel for them because if that was the intention I think for me it, it slightly missed the mark because 
as you sort of just mentioned, David, uh, you talked about succession. And with those characters, I remember outright not liking them in the beginning of the show in the first season. But as the show goes on, there's nuance to them and there's shades of gray. And and then you're kind of like, okay, Mm -hmm. um, they're still not great people, but I don't wish totally ill will on them. Whereas with this, I feel like if they wanted to do that, they could have given them a little bit more depth. But what's given there, I was not sad to see any of them go and was fine with when they did go. So I, I don't feel like it worked well enough for me to have been quite sympathetic with some of the characters. Um, but I felt like, obviously, like you said, Lenore is the, the exception to the rule and her mother. Um, she didn't do anything terrible, terrible, you know, but, um, yeah, most of the other characters, I was like sort of, you know, rubbing my hands together, waiting to see how they were going to get it in the end Mm -hmm. of their episode. So yeah, I think that for me, I felt like it maybe just slightly missed me being sort of sympathetic to not wanting to see any of them get their just desserts, so to speak. Gotcha, gotcha. But are oh, you, no, go are ahead. you were going to say something, Michelle? Go oh, ahead. I was going to kind of start moving along, I guess. Two. I don't. I guess I was going to say I don't know if you want to go episode to episode. <laughs> oh no, I was. I wasn't going to go episode to episode. Like, but I would say like I feel like I'll put. I think my favorite episodes and my least favorite episodes, maybe. Sure. Hmm. What were your What were your least favorite? I'll be honest. I think actually my least favorite was the very first episode. It's funny you say that because by the time we finished the show, which we finished in a relatively short amount of time. I mean, for you and I, that was short. For us, that was short. I mean, we, <laughs> it was like five days. We did not like just binge it over the course of a day or two. It was a few days for sure, but we finished it relatively short. Yeah. And then I go back and I try to think about that first episode and I'm like, I don't remember a lot about that first episode. Maybe it's because once we got into the rhythm of like the structure of the, all the deaths, mm-hmm. I feel like then the first episode is like cloudy, almost like I need to rewatch it. Oh, okay. Just side note. So. Yeah. I mean, like, and I'm saying like, it's not my favorite. I'm not saying it's a bad episode. It's just the first episode had a lot to kind of set up and you're trying to kind of get a grasp on the situation kind of quickly in a way. It's kind of like, okay, he's at the second funeral and they're the final three children he has. You're like, whoa, what, what has occurred? And it just, there's a lot it's trying to do in, in one episode, in my opinion. It's trying to set that stage. It's trying to set the stage that he's telling the story to Dupin. He's trying to tell the story of his sister and him and his mother in that situation. And like, there's just kind of a lot kind of happening and so you're never really getting a full depth on anything in that episode it just seems kind of all over the place a little bit it's not bad but it's just it's kind of a lot in a short amount of time i feel like yeah by episode two you really get its footing it gets it more into its footing and i think episode two is actually one of my favorite episodes quite honestly i thought it was executed extremely well um just story like the story that it's based off of this how it was um utilized and then written and then executed i think is probably this my my favorite is almost like this episode two one of my absolute favorites but yeah that first one i think is just kind of there's just a lot happening 
Right. Like I could see going back to the conversation about all the kids and like how they were portrayed and even just developed in the show. It's like, I could see a world where this was a nine to 10 episode mm, miniseries mm-hmm. and maybe there would be more room on the front end of just character development. Mm-hmm. But then I can also see that that kind of show might just turn people off after episode two and they don't even get that far into it. Right. You know? so, right. Or gotten more of their characters kind of s- spread throughout the death, not why, being so back to back. Yeah. Like I can see why that he just, very quickly got into the hey each episode is a death formula let's just do this like this instead of like having more breathing room at the front but it the the part of me that really enjoyed this which is i could have had more time with these people yeah yeah maybe developed for the drama really there were the shit really started yeah maybe developed a little more like oh that dude was kind of an ass (laughs) right because there were things like, especially characters that died early on, like Kate Siegel's character, for example. Yeah, like Camille. I, I felt like going into her episode, which was what, episode three? Episode three. Um, I didn't really have a good sense of her yet. Like, you know, like there's things that seem kind of shitty about her, but then like... I don't know things that are kind of like interesting about her. She and, was an interesting crap person, right? And I was like, I kind of am curious. I'm, I'm a little curious about this character. I want to learn more about this character. But yeah, she dies pretty fast. I will say what's interesting about that third episode. The third episode is entitled uh, Rue Morgue. Right? It's the murder at the Rue Morgue, and. The first part of that episode, I kind of was thinking it was actually going to be Victorine's death, just because it takes place in her work. Like that's her laboratory and everything. Right. And then there was a scene that Camille has with her brother Leo um, in his uh, in his apartment, his big nice seven floor up uh, apartment that he has, and. Um, it, there was a scene with them, and I was like, oh, this is going to be about her death. I was like, dang it. And I was so bummed out like the rest of that episode hmm. just because I knew that the character was going to die. I'm like, but she's such an interesting jerk. I want to know more. I want, and plus, I also just love that actress. Like, I just, I was like, I want to see more. I want more of her. And I'm really bummed that she's the second death (laughs) like of the children i should say technically it's just the third death technically but it was it was a bit of a bummer in my opinion that she was so early on too um bobby did you have like favorite episodes or favorite deaths or least that's what i was going to ask i was going to ask the two of you what was your favorite death out of all the the kids or death scene Ooh. um I will say, okay, it's kind of it's kind of tricky. I think, I think if you'd asked me this before we finished the whole series, I would have said that it was um, the youngest uh, Perry's death, the um, the red mask, the yeah, mask of the red death, the second one, the very first of the children the, to go, the club like the, acid scene, the club yeah, acid quite death, quite horrific. Death I would scene, say like. like that one probably wasn't my favorite death, but it was probably the most intriguing execution, I think. I enjoyed that. Oh, and that sounds horrible to say out loud. I was just like, side note, like, um, we, you know, that whole scene played out. And I think you, you, know, you go back to the club in the next episode and everything. And it's just like, 
it's, is it worth it trying to bury all these people? Just burn this building to the ground. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just a mass grave. mass like a flesh. Just, <laughs> like, it's just so <laughs> effed up. Well, and like, I'm just like, it's, it's not so worth it. Gross. Like, uh, and like, it's so funny. Like I'm watching it and you're watching the Pim Reaper go in. I'm thinking, ah, do you get Pim? Can you imagine the smell? The smell. I think I said right. that. I was like, can you imagine yeah, the smell? Like, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I would say yeah. that, that was the most interesting death but it was not my favorite i actually think it was um the oldest daughter um i think her death was probably the most i think i like the execution of it with the mirrors it was the most like it was probably the one that really made me i mean it's funny to say like the acid one kind of made me like cringe a little bit that one really made me cringe just the thought of the mirrors smashing and her just just completely spiraling out. Like she's completely spun out. She's no longer there. And you can say that about like Leo the it, with the black cat. Like he was completely gone. Like totally lost control. All spun out. I mean, all it's of fun them to did. Watch him use Mjolnir to like destroy his house. That was entertaining <laughs> as hell. <laughs> that was pretty entertaining. Yeah. Um, yeah. Getting Mjolnir and smashing all the walls. That was kind of funny. Um, no, but I think the the oldest sister. The second born, I think hers was the most like, okay, I really liked this. I really enjoyed her death scene. I thought it was really, really good. I was going to say the same thing. The oh, more, really? I had to think about it, but yeah, I think that one was the, the the most well done scene overall of her actual death. The, just the, even just the shot. The execution. Like, like the execution and then her just laying there mm-hmm. with that piece of mirror in her neck and just. <laughs> See, it yeah. makes me kind of. <laughs> I would say the most like. Yeah, I can't wait till this bastard dies. It's definitely the oldest son. Yeah, I mean, there's like, no doubt by the end of the series, he he was setting himself as up as just being the absolute worst. Like, yeah, yeah. By the end, it was just like, oh god, I can't wait till we just kill this bastard. Oh yeah. Like, and then watching, I was like, this is. It was really that was one of the most satisfying deaths watching. I was like, oh, this is satisfying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus, it was a cool scene to watch to watch a building like be demolished. From the inside, yeah. that's kind of cool. So, what about you, Bobby? Then, yeah, Bobby, I mean, let's you guys, talk about I, you. I, I kind of wish I went first because you took everything I just <laughs> was going to say. I, I, I thought the old eldest daughter's scene visually looked the best. Uh, just mm-hmm. the slow motion of that um, crashing of the glass and her falling to the bed, and you just knowing as it's coming down what's happening, and I just from the way it was shot and it looked, it was just the best one to me and then my one that i thought was most satisfying was the eldest son which Mm -hmm. just getting that guillotine of that whatever it was from the building slowly coming down at him and you just know it's going to start cutting away at him and sure enough and it's just like you know yeah at one point in time you this guy you just was the the first son and first kid and comes to be sort of like the last to die sort of of all the ushers uh, at least the kids and it's like he is is one of the most horrific ways to die because you you have time to think about it because it's mm-hmm. it's slowly coming at you and so and yeah nothing, that, and he was paralyzed he couldn't do anything about it like he's just watching it yeah right yeah and and so um yeah, I definitely like that, and and it's it's funny too because I I will forget, but then remember at intermittent times that 
this was the young kid from E.T. Like that was Elliot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and I'll picture him as that that young kid sometimes when I'm seeing him as an older actor, Henry. Thomas. That's weird, right? Like I noticed the same thing. And what what is it about him? Like there's, there's tons of actors like face. we've seen like in tons of things since child actors but there's mm-hmm. something about him that you're right like every time maybe it's also because i haven't seen him in enough like he yeah it's not he like stopped acting for quite a few years it's not like drew barrymore where right. she kind of we watch her really yeah age. he basically was at like the prime height of like childlike innocence mm. and he was portrayed at this age of like this is the loss of the innocent time frame and you're about to start going into major your puberty is really going to start going to high gear here and so he has this hugely innocent childlike face when he's in et and there was a number of years he wasn't acting so we didn't see him slowly actually age into full maturity adulthood like we did like say with drew barrymore as a perfect example we watched her literally grow up the whole time yeah and then to see him just he's an adult he's just a 30 something year old man acting again well now he's 40 but you know it was like oh you know he kind of came back in his 30s a little bit and right yeah anyway i was gonna say i oh sorry go ahead bobby you know you finish uh, up Oh, yeah. So I was just going to say that definitely for me, the saddest was uh, Lenore and just seeing, I think I can't remember which episode it was exactly. It might have been episode seven where um, Mm -hmm. Verna, I guess, lays out everything, the Mm -hmm. pact. And it was within something she said at the time of your generations or something. And I don't think they had caught it at the time, the two of them making that deal about their kids. But it was something that she said that in that moment, I was like, wait, uh, does that go past the kids and into the grandkids, too? And I was like, oh, no. And then I, I started thinking about it. And then sure enough, you get to that part when she's like and this one I kind of hate. She said something to the effect of, you know, this one makes her the most sad to have to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, man, that sucks. Which yeah. I will say, like, yeah. that whole scene, that makes me think that she's deaf and not per se like a devil. Right, is, right. Because even death can be sad about killing, taking somebody. Even death could probably look upon a child and go, I'm really bummed that Which I you see I, in Sandman, not... the series. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, I guess I'm, yeah, I guess this, this is part of the job, you know. And so I think for me, she's kind of, she's the character of death. But I, what I was going to say was, it's interesting. I think I actually really enjoyed everybody's death. Like, I think all of them are done really well, actually, if I really sit and think about it. And maybe, like, some are a little more exciting than others, a little more flashy than others. But I like them all. I think the only one I actually don't like is Leo's death in The Black Cat. I think his is the most, like, oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I guess if I had to pick a least favorite, maybe his would be my least, maybe, but... I think his would be my least just because it was just so like, oh, he really just went off the deep end and then he jumped off his balcony because he was trying to kill an imaginary cat. Like, it was so like, oh, oh, shit. But I will say, even though it's not like my favorite death for the character per se, but I will... The scene of of the end of the telltale heart is just have to say that is disturbing. pretty well done in it's extremely disturbing way like the the sound and the the going into the room oh. and like her like just the chest opened Slate. and just it's so messed up <laughs> and, i think that's the most 
really disturbing one in my opinion too like disturbing like right. the most like oh god like because yeah she's splayed open and this is someone that she loved that she killed and like it's disturbing because you can see how far off the deep end she is now clicked and there's a point you're like oh man is she gonna kill her dad <laughs> And, and I think that has, adds to it too, it yeah. does. because he's there to witness it. He and, sees and it. Sees it. Yeah. He sees. He sees what's happening, and he sees that she's just gone off the deep end, and then he's fearful of his life because yeah, she's she's gone, dude. Like, so even he has a flash of fear that he's that she could kill him. Like she's like he's he's sitting there thinking, wow, she just killed the love of her life. What she she, right, right. she can turn on me like. No, that one was the, probably, I think, the most disturbing, like, mentally, like, oh, that is. Whoa. Yeah. Um, now, going back to, like, some negatives for me. Oh, um, yeah. And I'll, the, the biggest one, and this is, like, just a moment in the show overall. It's not, like, a big overarching problem. But one moment in the show that just really took me out of the show, and I was really like, oh, I do not like this, <laughs> like, was the the photographs of her mm. of the the verna character right mm. like with all of these you mm. know true in history historic characters uh you know at first it's like i know who the Koch brothers are and i think that was the first picture right and like obviously i know the Koch brothers but i don't i don't know what they look like and he shows that photo and i you know you're hearing roderick go thinking about this person coke or the coke brothers or whatever and i'm like wait are that was like that's the real coke brothers is that what we're doing here and then the next picture i think was zuckerberg and i'm like oh really like and i mean i'm like i'm coming across super super negative like i just straight up hated it and i don't know maybe if i hated it but there mm. was something about it that just like this this wasn't necessary to do this i mean i guess in the development of under of the characters understanding what they're dealing with it's kind of understanding, but for example, like there's a moment in the final episode when that the character Verna like mentions the line that Donald Trump said about mm -hmm. shooting someone on Fifth Avenue, and most people would know what she's referring to. Mm -hmm. She's referring mm -hmm. to like it's something Trump in real life said, and that is, I think, a better way of handling that kind of like development than like these straight up photos of her like with all of these people. Like I just I don't know. I, I, I didn't care for that. I think it was, yeah, it just didn't really work. In a way, and it's like I guess like yeah, I guess I kind of get get why they did it, but it's like I feel like it could have been, it felt a little too in your face about it. I guess like it would have been interesting if it had been a picture of say like the royal family, and then you just kind of slightly see her in the background, kind of like a very you know Doctor Who, just a little bit of the face. You don't see the whole picture. She's like per almost perfect photos of her is more kind of what you're yeah, getting at. These pictures are like perfect photos of her. And then be cool if it had been like, you know, maybe more relatable, like interesting, like rich families that fell apart in dynasties like that. And then like the Kennedys. And I think it would have been like, they're not necessarily bad people, but they're like really interesting public figures that have had really interesting like falls. Well, you know for, what I mean? for me, I could imagine a situation where it was done where you still have the same kind of scene with photos, but they don't have to be real people, like in real life. But the yeah, characters are responding it. to the photos in a way that you as a viewer go, okay, like these are in this world, these are were terrible people that 
they don't they didn't really exist but you know what i mean i think that might have even worked better for me than what they did but yeah i think it would have been interesting to have her like i said like she did the donald trump quote it would have been interesting if she quoted like other figures in like other creepy stuff that people would know too that have said like really weird like off-putting things i've been like oh wow jesus she has been around the she's been around for a little bit you know any thoughts on what i'm saying robbie um i see where you're coming from um i think when i watched it it didn't register other than it was like oh it's a bit on the nose but at the same time i kind of was thinking like well it's one of those things where it becomes a debate about um subtlety versus right in your face and yeah that happens a lot with um different types of movies with a message whether even though i haven't seen it yet killers of the flower moon i've heard some debate out there in terms of um from both sides from people who are like from that descendants of the osage that are like this is sort of just too graphic and too much and sometimes that happens in movies that deal with something like slavery and it becomes what they call like slavery porn is just like a lot and sometimes i'm like i see both sides i'm like sometimes it, it is a bit much but then at the same time i'm like some people see need to see a bit too much because <laughs> they don't get it when it's mm-hmm. subtle and so it's like I, I kind of see that in, in Mike Flanagan's choice there. It's like, yeah, I can do subtle, but I kind of want to put it in your face <laughs> and, and, right. and in a way that you can understand it. And so I, I see it from both sides. Um, it, but yeah, like in the moment, I could see it, but I didn't um, hang on it too long because it isn't too long within the, sh- the context of everything. And luckily, it's not, right? Y- yeah. Right. And, and and I think more than anything, the thing that I come away from this series with, which I will probably at some point in time go back and rewatch, is the, the monologue that uh, uh, Verna does when she talks about humanity and mm-hmm. the things that they could do, but the things that they choose to do. And I was like, yeah, that's such a good speech that she gives. And so I, I think that that's in, in and of itself the, the, the whole um, moral of the story in, in terms of what comes across within this, this thing. And I, I agree that where some of the, the messaging could be a little blunt, but and sometimes I think some people kind of need to be... <laughs> hit over the head a little bit no i get i get that and i like i said i guess when i was kind of bitching about it like i didn't hate it hate it but right. it's just something that i bumped on brought me out of the show for a minute where it felt like this doesn't feel like this belongs in this show like mm-hmm. almost like yeah, it, it felt feels, like it was almost they were just it's a little over explanation right but but i get what you're saying bobby like you know in terms maybe of, some people need to have it message, really yeah like, um another thing you know, I guess my main things with the show overall, like that moment, which again was just a moment. I, you know, we already talked about the the younger versions of characters and the older versions of characters, and definitely not jiving. Um, and then another, this is more of a nitpicky thing, and I guess this comes down to budget. Like there is certain visual effects kind of stuff that I felt like eh, this doesn't look great. Like 
the shot in the last episode of all mm. the bodies falling. Um, yeah, it's fine in one way. It looks kind of cool the way it's done, but it's also just like, eh, this doesn't look great. Like it's unfortunate. There's reason that, why they did it at night. <laughs> yeah, with like lightning kind of like, right. flashing the Bounce being able to even see the them. bodies. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you know, that's just, I think, you know, it's a budget no, thing. Like, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I feel like the graphics might not have been the best, and I feel like there might have been a better way to have executed the visual of the body count instead of that way, but, yeah, I'm with you. I think maybe that one just, I bumped on that one, too, enough, but it was kind of like, I guess it's just kind of budgeting thing. It is still just and Netflix at the end of the day. You're right. <laughs> not that I have a solution for a better way oh, to yeah. do that as a visual, like, message. Representation, yeah. But, I, you know, maybe there could have been something better than, like, oh, I'm looking out the window and look at all the bodies falling. There's bodies like, raining from the heavens, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, like, I think... There's another thing. Well, actually, I'm curious. What did Bobby like and what did you not like about the show, maybe? Is there anything that you kind of bumped on? I think I talked about it throughout the the okay. review of it, honestly. Um, like how I sort of have the double edge of how the structure of the show is in and of itself. And it losing some level of tension, knowing that someone's going to die in this particular episode. Just that and... Um, some of the performances and not sort of being enough there for some of the characters like David mentioned mm. as well. And, you know, but nothing, nothing that was like glaring, just a, a few things that as again, as David said, sort of knocks it down a few pegs, nothing that's just like, Oh, this right. was the worst thing. I, I need to turn this off right now, but just little things that there's no perfect, you know, show or thing or whatever that you're going to bump up against some things. But, I think that mine were minor enough to where it didn't uh, derail any of my enjoyment for the series as a whole. So, yeah, I think I kind of mostly mentioned my things, though. And I was going to say, too, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of risk here watching a show like this. It's building up to a big ending and it's just, you know, it's just a mini series. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to go into another season. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how's the finale going to be? <clears throat> Is it going to really like land stick the landing and i Mm -hmm. i thought it did overall like even if i have a nitpicky moment like the visual effects of bodies other than that no i thought the, i thought the finale was quite good and i was pretty happy with the ending yeah i mean like i would say if there was a death that was also kind of not satisfying was honestly um roderick's death at the end and I get the whole thing was basically that his sister was recreating the same scene that their mother did in killing their father, you know, being resurrected kind of in a way and then choking him to death. But it was a little unsatisfactory. That one was mm. a little bit like, oh, hmm. It reminds me, though, of a question I'll have for you guys because maybe I felt like I was missing something or maybe I just I did miss something overall in the show I mean given the the deal that was made that we see portrayed I think it was in the last episode maybe it was episode seven but it was like seven and eight where we yeah. watched them back to back so those kind of meshed for me a little but bit when we so. actually see the portrayal of the deal um what was it or I guess like I was slightly confused of the train of thought of Madeline and like, you know, Hey, you just need to basically kill yourself. Right. With the pills, 
like to finish this off like she was kind of acting like that would make it a done deal and then she would get out of it but why would she think that why would she think that she would get out of this yeah it was really interesting it was almost like they just did that i I would say that was something i bumped on too because i thought was kind of weird like why would she try to kill him like because then yeah the scene of the actual like deal it's pretty clear it includes her in it like they both gonna go at the same time basically right like it seemed pretty clear to me at least when watching that scene so for her to try to trick roderick and kill him that way i don't know it just it was kind of bizarre i mean it seemed partly like hey i want you know she was obviously going for her power with the company but obviously but again she knows that this deal includes her yeah. like what you gonna have power for a day or two and <laughs> you die i don't understand like by bobby am i are we missing something or did you uh, notice I that at all I don't think you're missing anything. I, in fact, I don't think I really had thought about it until you just now brought it up. And I was going under the impression of the whole power thing where, if anything, I, I thought maybe she wasn't all the way clear on the the rules and that I would have to go back and rewatch it. But at one point, I think I remember her saying the reason why she didn't have kids and she made sure she didn't have kids is because of like part of what the deal was. And so I don't know if she thought that just the kids would die and not them, but I can't quite remember. But obviously once she starts seeing everyone die and then maybe, and that was her thought process that um, if she killed off Roderick, that she was supposed to continue on because, because she had, had no progeny or anything. I don't know, but it's a good question. I'd have to go it's, back and rewatch it's, that. It's something that I don't think the show did a good enough job of, of like yeah, basically explaining. Cause yeah, I mean, when you see the show portrayed the, the deal, it's like you said, Michelle, it's super clear. Like this thing she says, like it's the, you will all take a curtain call together. Like everybody, I include you sister. It like is the end of your bloodline will end your right. bloodline. And like, that's the big and sentence I mean, there. Could, the show could do something, I think to be like, well, it's obviously been a long time since the deal was made. And, uh, there, it took even a little bit for them to realize who that was. Like, cause mm-hmm. it's been a while since they've right. seen her and you know, it's just memory. Maybe it's a memory thing, but I don't know. It just, it wasn't enough there. For you to include that moment in the show, but then like not give a better f- explanation as to why she would do that, like yeah, it was, it was kinda, weird. It was kind of weird. It's like, it's like yeah, she in the in the deal scene, she picks up on oh, if I have children, they will also fall under this, and you can pick up that she catches that, but she misses the whole like end of the bloodline thing, or you're both gonna go at the same time mm. thing, like you're both a part of this deal, like it's like. Well, because I mean, pick if, up on that. I, if you rewatch the scene, I mean, Verna specifically goes to her to say, "Yeah, it's you too." Like she, it's extremely explicit. It's not even yeah, just picking up on the kids. It's that. like she tells her, "Like, yeah, it's you too, honey. Like, mm-hmm. you're you're a part of this, the whole family, blah blah blah." So yeah, it's a weird for her to even yeah, think yeah. that it didn't include her, given what you're shown. In but the show. yeah, and and again, I'm going to return to. I really liked almost every scene with Verna every conversation she has with a kid and she always gives every single one of those kids kind of like almost like an out she gives them that moment of like your fate is in your hands here you can make a different decision she does it to almost every single one of them 
And I think it's really enjoyable. And but I also just think I really enjoy her conversations with them. Like, I really like her conversation that she has with Camille before she reverts back into the uh, chimpanzee formation. That, I think, is a really interesting back-and-forth conversation that they're having. And then there's other conversations she has with them that are just so good. And obviously, like, the end monologue that she has with Roderick. But it's like, I really enjoyed her sitting down with Madeline in the old house. I enjoyed her sitting down with Pim and having the conversation with him. I thought that was a really good one, too. Like, they're just... Basically, every time that she was on the screen, that character was just so enjoyable. Like, the way she was executing it, and then just the actual character, and the way it was written, and the dialogue they had for her. I was like, man, they are killing this character. It's awesome, in my opinion. I enjoyed this. I did wonder about the out that she kind of presented to them, and how that would work. That if they had taken that out, does that mean that they would have just gone on to live and died of their own natural causes or would she have continued Just to circle back around to them yeah yeah <laughs> see i guess i'll admit i didn't really find that she was giving anybody any outs like at least that's not how i was kind of seeing the episodes like you think for example like the first one with the acid scene i mean there's never a moment of like or at least I don't remember there being a moment of like, hey, you could do something she different. She kind of does. I mean, when they're, she does, so yeah. There's the bedroom scene where she gets him upstairs and she's on the bed. And she's talking to him and she's saying, you know, like, you can just end this night here. You can just mm -hmm. send everybody home. Nothing needs to happen. We can just call this all over this done for the night. Like, okay. you can walk away from this. And he's like, no, this is just getting good. And she's just yeah. like, okay, I guess, this, guess we're doing this. All right, playboy let's do this then. Then she like teleports from the bed to the door and he's like, wait, what? And she's like gone. Mm. And so she's like, Oh, that was the moment he had that moment gone. And then with Camille, it was honey. Do you, you can just go back to your car. You don't have to go through that locked door. You can turn around. You don't need to be here. You don't have security clearance. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Why should I let you in? And then, right. you know, with what's his name and the Leo, and the cat, like you don't have to adopt the cat. You can just yeah. adopt any other animal that's here. Like any of these other cats are great cats, but you want this black. No, you don't need this black one. You know, like she does it for all of them. They all get this moment. Well, but then, then yeah, the, what's the occurrence? If they, like you're saying, what's the occurrence? Like what? what I got, but then if you want to, I guess, really get into it. I mean, you could argue though that she obviously knows what's going to happen. She clearly knows the future. Oh, yeah. In this world, like, she knows everything that's going to play out because she tells, you know, uh, Lenora, like, what's going to happen in the future with her mother. So you could then argue, I guess, like, she's not really giving him a choice because there is no choice. Like, oh, it's a, we could get into, you know, free will argument. Yeah, free like, will. Um, <laughs> she's like, because, yeah, the deal is, like, we've said, like, oh, she's they all are going to die. Yeah. So, like, the, the, the chance she's giving them, which maybe I see she, what you guys are saying. There's definitely chances. To, like there's not really, she knows they're not going to, maybe she just does it to kind of toy with them. So that, that way in the could last be, minute yeah. of death, they can go, Oh damn, I, I just, I didn't have to go through that locked door. I could have just turned right. around. Maybe that's that, that, that moment, that sycophant kind of moment of like, like, yeah, that's right. Now you're realizing you, you chose this and you're realizing the choice was yours. Ha 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 ha. Maybe it's just a weird, like, <laughs> come come up and it's kind of feeling for her i don't know there was that one point though where she mentions to frederick that um and i, I forget how she phrases it but something about 
in another life he becomes a dentist and mm, a pretty mm-hmm. good one or something. And so I don't know if that would have had to have done with if he had chose something different along the way within his regular life. Not the choice that he give, she gives him or something, but like just before that in, in his life, he could no, have done it's, something. But it's interesting you bring that up because I feel like she says it, but it's not like she's saying, oh, because of your choices. It's almost like, you know, maybe it is kind of his choices too, but it's kind of like if you hadn't fallen in the footsteps of your father and you actually just did your own thing, if your father mm-hmm. hadn't gone down his road, you could have been a dentist. Mm, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I'm trying to kind of understand because that logic. It's not yeah. like the choices he's that recently made would have affected him being a dentist. It's mostly like maybe because he's the oldest and he was the one that immediately was just kind of falling right behind Roderick that she was yeah, kind of like, if you hadn't done that, you could have been a dentist. Like if you basically hadn't just followed your father and been the first to obey and do that, you could have had a different path completely. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Anything else, guys? Yeah, I will say, um, outside of Lenore, the the character I think I felt the most sympathy for, even though she didn't have a ton to do, was Juno. Um, mm, the wife. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she she didn't do anything wrong, and she no. wanted to get off the the the, the drugs and also was sympathetic in trying to actually bond with this family of insane people. And I remember even with the eldest daughter, when she was sitting in the audience and she caught a stray one from her when she threw that into the crowd. It's like, she's not doing anything. So I was happy to see her get a happy ending as well. Yeah, like she's definitely a character that you do kind of sympathize for because, like you said, like she's just, she is trying to get off the drugs. She's just trying to be a stepmom. Like she's mm-hmm. like, I just want to have some relationship with you people. And all you've done is just crap on me. You haven't tried to get to know me. Like I've tried to be nothing but supportive of you guys. Obviously, she went to the oldest daughter's opening and she was in the front row and she was kind of like, yeah, 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 that's right. Like, I, I got your back, girl. Like, she's trying to be yeah. supportive. And right. like, she's just a person who's trying to do her best and she just got crapped on the whole way through. So at the end, it's like, you're really like, yeah, that's right. You got off the stupid drug and you're, you know. I guess the only thing we haven't really talked about is the, is the, the pharmaceutical aspect of this whole thing. I don't know. I just thought it was... I liked that they chose kind of a touchy topic in today's society. Um, And I think it was nice that he really kind of points the finger at at Big Pharma. And he kind of lets him have it in this. And I think there's nothing that was... None of the message, I think, was incorrect. I think it's... Big Pharma has got away with with just with basically murdering people and i think mike flanagan's he was really good at pointing it out and the way he did it i thought it was executed very well i think it meshed really well with the storyline with the post stories with all of it i think it was just done i think it was done really well and i think you do see at the end like just you know where frederick is or where roderick is in the you know the fact that he he knows he knew he knew what he was doing the whole time right I did find that interesting. Uh, uh, 
if not sort of an easy target, um, just because of how topical it is. What I found a little bit more interesting was when they started to delve a little bit into Madeline's uh, projects that she was the working AI. on with the, the AI stuff and how very topical that was, even though this was shot like however long ago and that it came out when it did. Um, and the implications, especially with uh, the Lenore, the, the app thing and everything, how that played out and came together towards the end there. So yeah, I was like, yeah, it's it's just tying all these things in that are uh, top of mind, and for most people, in a way that is making it very accessible for a lot of people to watch it, and tied into this whole horror mm-hmm. element thing as well. Yeah, right. definitely. And then I was just gonna mention, like, back to like the jump scares. Like, I like how Mike Flanagan always kind of, like, has these little Easter eggs kind of hidden throughout each episode. And some of them are scary and some of them are just interesting. And, you know, the first one is obviously Roderick's mother kind of being in the background at the one mm. shot behind Dupin. And then the shadow moves. It's just really subtle. There's just like a, it's mm. creepy. <laughs> it's yeah. super creepy. And then some are just, not that that didn't make me jump. But then, like, the you know, there's other ones that are just really in your face. Like, yeah, Leo falling down directly in front of them on the floor i jumped that one got me and then the mirrors exploding behind him um like the wall kind of exploding behind him and then oh yeah yeah, yeah. that made i jumped so hard i don't know why but man it just that got me so bad i was not prepared for that one was there anything that kind of creeped you out bobby Never, unfortunately. Well, not, I shouldn't say unfortunately. I, I nothing ever creeps me out or scares me in any of these horror movies or shows, or because I've been watching them since I was not supposed to watch them when I was like probably ten or twelve. So for me, it's just a matter of how well it's done and being able to see where other people probably would get scared or knowing that it's pulled off really well. Which isn't to say every now and then I don't get a jump scare that actually gets me a little bit, but it's pretty rare. But I, I always um, appreciate it. So when you were talking about stuff, I honestly was drawing a blank on that because that stuff never, I, it, it rarely registers with me. So I, I couldn't remember anything specific. Yeah, I kind of agree i mean i'm not saying i definitely don't fall into nothing creeps me out i mean there's definitely shots where i'm like oh well it's creepy but or, but maybe it's also just me uh, recognizing i'm like oh that's a creepy moment but i'm not like yeah. oh my god i'm not gonna sleep tonight or anything but yeah i don't think um, anything disturbed me to that point well maybe the acid bath a little bit that night and we're going by going mm, this is definitely pretty fresh in my head we should have watched something cushier after oh really that <laughs> in was- particular like I think it's just because we went straight to bed after watching a sea of gooey human mess. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we could have put something fluffy on for that for a few minutes. Just so it wasn't so fresh in my eyes. <laughs> okay. It was like it burned into my head. But like overall, no, nothing really scared me. But yeah, there was definitely two, two that I can think of like that where it total jump scared me. I was like, oh, Jesus. Like I definitely like jumped off the couch and like I was like, oh, God. Like that, that got me. That got me. That got All right. Me. I just remembered one thing that creeped me out. And this is one thing that actually kind of quite does creep me out in real life to a certain degree, too. And and that's the cat. Um, 
Oh, really? Especially when it's like creeping around and jumping out, and because that stuff happens in real life with cats. Glowy so eyes that, at night. Yeah, so I think that's probably the thing that creeped me out because it's a, a real thing, and cats can be unpredictable in that way where it's and they're quick you know yeah <laughs> if a cat right. wanted to scratch at you it, it probably could really yeah that's true i mean that can creep me out but i get what you're saying i think that and again i think it was the best visual death was the older sister one with the mirrors and the glass that one's like that one's very like that, like that one kind of makes my skin crawl because for me that's like a ooh, that could ugh. it just seems like it's so unpleasant <laughs> Yeah, like that one for me just that one creeps me out. Well, I'm glad that it sounds like we all really liked it. It's it's got its it's got its things it needs to work on. There's some stuff, but overall, it sounds like we were all pretty happy with it. Yeah, I mean, if anything, you know, I could see where someone would listen to this and go, "It sounds like they liked it," but I don't know, like, or at least for with my review, for example. But if there's if there's maybe nitpickiness or. Thing, you know if it comes across like a maybe a little more negative than I should be this is also coming off I mean I, again I didn't see Midnight Club but for me coming off of Midnight Mass which I thought was basically a borderline masterpiece, masterpiece you yeah. know as a miniseries uh, so uh, not to say like I expect that he'll make something just as good that soon. I, you know, everyone, every filmmaker ebbs and flows with the types of stories they're telling or you know how they're told but that that is such on a on a high pedestal for me <laughs> that <laughs> I watched this show and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But maybe I'll point out some of the flaws because yeah. it just doesn't quite live up to something like Midnight Mass for me. But uh, yeah, I thought mm. the show was solid. I, again, I thought it ended well. I liked the finale. I, I definitely would say it's worth a watch for sure. But but I've also I've heard the argument like from someone who was a. a apparently a Poe expert to a certain degree who is like really nitpicking like well this didn't adapt this very well but mm-hmm. I don't also don't think that's what this show is trying to be like the show is inspired by Poe mm-hmm. and it's doing it in a different way and mm-hmm. if I think if you're if you're going into the show as someone who is like a, I don't know what you would call a Poe head, like, a, but I, <laughs> I don't know what they would be called. We'll go with Poe head. If you were like a diehard Poe fan that is like, all right, I can't wait to watch this show that's based on Poe. To like, see these adaptations. If you're, yeah, if you're going into this going, man, how are they going to adapt each one of these? Like, you might be disappointed. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong because I don't really know Poe that well, but I think you would be like you're going into it with maybe the wrong kind of expectations. Yeah, this is not a straight adaptation. It's a okay. Well, we can take a little bit of that. This is the story, and now that story, we can kind of mold it into something else that's based off of that story. And that's that's kind of what they're doing here. And you know, another thing, like I didn't bump whenever they would quote some of the poetry. That actually, I didn't bump on any of that. I actually really kind of liked that, like they use some of his actual poems throughout their series, especially at the end when he's quoting the Raven. You know, like I thought Hmm. it was, I, I, I actually really enjoyed that. Like for me, I was like, oh, that's really enjoyable. Like it just. I liked it. It worked for me. And maybe that might not work for other people. Might They might be like, why are they quoting the poetry? Oh, that's so icky. But I I actually enjoyed that part. I thought that was actually nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Well, with that, unless you guys have anything else, I think that'll do it for our thoughts on the fall of the House of Usher. 
Uh, thanks for listening. We would love to know what you thought of the show and our thoughts. You can reach out to us at feedback at flickereffect.com. You can find us on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, Instagram at flicker underscore effect, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash flicker effect. Um, with that, I'm Dave Lott. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Michelle Hillard. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye bye.